Let me uh, pray one more time. God, I uh, pray that you would move in this experience, Father. Lord, I thank you for how you've already been moving. Father, I thank you that you are a reason to come and to gather together. Father, I thank you, Father, that being here around your people is good. (laughs) Father, I pray for more. I pray for more people to know your name, Jesus. (laughs) Speak through today's experience in your name. Amen. Amen. This is my toolbox. Now, if I asked you, uh, how big is your toolbox? You might say, well, which one? Uh, I I get that. Uh, This is uh, literally every tool that I own uh, because I'm not handy. Uh, And so uh, there would be things in here that would surprise you that I have because I've gathered them. Like I used to work construction as a laborer uh, in college. It was just like well, a broom and sweep, and I, I don't know how to do anything. Uh, so there's things like, I, like this is like for flatness, I think, and whatnot. And uh, I think this was like a stocking stuffer at one point. Uh, every time I've put together, uh, this is a pencil that I probably got 45 years ago, and I've never used, because uh, I've never needed to. And uh, there's like things in here, like these gadgets, gadgets, whatever these things are, that like when... Like when I build like a, a shelf or something or like a, a TV stand and you have all the leftover parts afterwards, like not you, but like I do, I always have leftover parts. <laughs> and uh, I, always, I always keep the leftover parts because just in case I might need them some other day, I've never needed them, but they're, they're, all, they're, all, they're all in here. Uh, so you could probably teach me how to use the tools in here. I'm sure, I'm sure you could. Uh, by the time I actually get to my toolbox with something going on in my house, my wife's already called Pat the plumber uh, or, uh, or somebody else uh, to come and fix what I'm incapable of fixing because that's just not who I am. So, there, so you would be surprised what's, what's in here and what's not in here because this is every, every tool that I, that I own. And, and I think Alexa uh, or Amazon heard as I was talking about tools and stuff this week, uh, kind of like in my own way, like practicing the sermon and whatnot, I think they heard what I was talking about because then I got on social media and found out there's a whole lot of tools that I, don't, I never knew even existed because it's like all the ads and stuff came, started popping up. Uh, and so I, like any good American, I went on a five-hour rabbit trail. Uh, <laughs> and so here are some tools that I never knew I needed. Uh, but a peek inside the walls tool, uh, that sounds delightful. I don't know, like it's, it's, it's LED and whatnot, high end, uh, 70 bucks, uh, LED lights, I need that. Uh, and so another one that came up in my, uh, this one I literally do need, uh, Ben and Jerry's ice cream lock, a tool that you never knew that you needed, uh, but I love ice cream uh, and uh, I will be purchasing that soon. Uh, another, another tool, uh, for uh, some of us in here. Did you know that they make ironing boards with mirrors? That seems like so relevant. Like that's actually, be- I thought that was very good. Uh, that came up on the, on the search. And, uh, and then this one, I was like, can you imagine uh, Landon sitting up in the front row? Like I can only imagine Landon uh, 10 years ago, uh, nine years ago. How old are you? Nine years? Uh, wearing that. Uh, that's a tool that we never knew we needed. Uh, and, and a pizza cutter because that rolly thing with like you know like you know like that's not good enough anymore we now need giant scissors uh and then and then this one like this one like i feel like i would use if i knew how to use it but a strip screw remover because i strip everything if i ever do try and uh and so that 
tools that you just never thought that you needed or that should be in your, in your toolbox. Today, we're going to finish out the Dark Side series. We're going to finish out looking at some passages on our enemy. And, and would you know that good, catch this, good is in the toolbox of our enemy? Good. Like how our enemy can use good to distract us, how the enemy can use good to get us uh, away from what God would have us do. If, God, if God's way is great, uh, the enemy can put good in front of us to keep us from the great that God wants for us. It's a slippery slope when you have two options before you, but only one is the option that God wants you to take. And so uh, the big thought for us this morning is too good to be true is a tool of the enemy. Uh, too good to be true is a tool of, of the enemy. And I want to look at two ways in which this plays out for us. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter, uh, chapter 11, verses 7 through 11, there's going to be two ways in which this plays out. And, uh, and so the first way is, is too good to be true is a tool of the enemy when it's used to attack true good, legitimate good. And so Paul is going to be is writing here. We're going to read this here in a second. Paul is writing this, and he's defending himself against uh, now false teachers, people that would, would say that he's not legitimate. Paul's looking at them and saying, I'm, I question, question your ways. Here's, here's, here's what he says. Or did I, did I commit a sin in humbling myself? A genuine apostle is going to humble themselves for the betterment of other people so that you might be exalted. Because I preached God's gospel uh, to you free of charge. I robbed, I robbed other churches by accepting support from them in order to serve you. An awesome example to say that I, I, am, going, I am going to humble myself to better the others that are around me, the other people that I am serving. And when, and when I was with you and was in need, I did not burden anyone. For the brothers who came from Macedonia uh, supplied my need. So I refrained, and I will refrain from burning you in any way. As the truth of Christ is in me, this boasting of mine will not be silenced in the region of, of that region that you've heard of before. Uh, and why? <clears throat> because I do not love you, God knows that I do. In the Greek culture and in the religious culture, you would have philosophers, you would have teachers that would, that would go into cities, and if their message was worth anything... They would take money from people. They would encourage you to give them money and, and support their in, in endeavors. And so these false teachers are saying, while well, we collect money, we get money. We're speaking these things and people are paying us to speak these things. Therefore, we are legitimate. So Paul, you're doing, uh, you're doing something not very good. You're not taking money from people. You have people outside of the city of Corinth supporting you. You're not looking to make us, you're not looking to, to, for us to pay you, so therefore your message is not legitimate. And Paul is looking at this and saying, what? What? Because I'm not looking to be a burden to the people that I am serving, that means I'm not legitimate? Like, now you're looking at my, what I'm doing as good, and you're saying that it is evil? Why? Because it's, it's not the, the cultural standard? That's evil. Because he, 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 goes, he goes to this place where he's saying, well, well your assumptions are, are, are missing my true intent. Your assumptions are missing my motives. I, I'm, looking to, I'm looking to boast in Christ, not boast in self. You're boasting in self, and so now you're collecting money from people. No, you're, you're twisting my motives. You're twisting my intent with your 
vast assumptions. We live in a culture that loves assumptions. And the dark side has a field day on assumptions. We can go so many twisted places. We, we, we are so quick to discredit somebody because they're simply countercultural. I did this. I, 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 was, I grew up in a, in, a, in a small Baptist church in, in New England. And we had a hippie in our church. And uh, that's, how I, that's what I called her. She was a hippie in my mind. Because she would go on mission trip after mission trip after mission trip. And she came back from these mission trips with a habit. You know what her habit was? She would pray with her eyes open. <laughs> oh, how do I know? That's not your business. But <coughs> this is about her. <laughs> she would pray with her eyes open. Because on the missions field, she would say, uh, she would say that, well, if we, on the missions field, if we were all closing, closing our eyes and, uh, and bowing in prayer, that people would know that we were praying and then we would be targeted as Christians. And so when we would pray on the missions field, we would, we would just be talking like an everyday conversation with our eyes open. And I was like, oh my gosh, you hippie. <laughs> As a fourth grader, I, I drew all sorts of assumptions. I, drew, I, I misconstrued her motives and her intents. And I had, I had a whole, in my fourth grade, I had a whole lot of comments. But now when I look back, I'm like, you know what? There's not a single passage in the Bible that says close your eyes when you pray. I understand why it's a good habit. I understand the, the philosophy behind it. I understand that when I close my eyes, I'm, I'm focused solely on God. I'm not, I'm not getting distracted by anything else going on around me. I understand all that. But to look at somebody that's now praying with their eyes open because they went on missions trips and assuming bad things about them, I become the fool. That's ah, when we can use good and, 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 and use it for evil. We do this in, 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 in culture. Uh, in, our, in our culture, see, I'm striving for holiness. I, I want to I be holy as God is holy, and the culture isn't, isn't the enemy. The culture is my mission field. And so when I think of culture as my mission field, I want to have the attitude, anything short of sin, to reach people that no one else is reaching. But when I say sin, I'm not talking about your opinion of sin. I'm not talking about my opinion of sin. I'm talking about true sin. And so when we, when we go and we're on mission for people and we're going to be countercultural to reach people, guess what? We might have drums on the stage. Now, that's not a big deal to us. We might have a guitar on the stage. That might not be a big deal to us, but did you know there was a time where that was a very big deal? Because it was countercultural. And, when, and when, you were, when you added these things into a worship set to, to try, to, to, try to, to, to reach people, all of a sudden other churches would start talking about you. Other churches would start drawing assumptions about you. You know, there, there was a time where when you came into church, you wore a suit and a tie, where, where, where you had to wear a dress, where, where, where it, the motto was Sunday best. There was a time for that. But, but, now, but now I would be kicked out of those churches, <laughs> That I wouldn't be welcomed in those churches. But see, I'm all for Sunday best. I just don't believe that you can define best for me and I can define best for you. Our best might look different. You get what I'm saying? And so when, when we're, we're looking to reach people, we might go about it in counter-cultural ways that aren't sinful, but then we start drawing assumptions and the good work that people are doing, we're now making assumptions and trying to discredit them. We must be careful when we crucify people on the hill of our assumptions. What a tool of the enemy. 
too good be, to be true, is a tool of, of the enemy when used to attack true good, but then secondly, when used for evil. Here's how Paul continues. And what I am doing, I will continue to do. I will not stop in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that that in their boasted mission, they work in the, in the, on the same terms as we do. For such men are false, are, are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. And that is said in the present tense. The verb is said in the present tense, which means that the characteristic of Satan is something that's always present for him. He's always working this way. This is something he does all the time. Disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. Paul says, I don't want to be like them. I don't want to become like them for moral and practical reasons. They have a very hard time explaining to other people why they are taking money when I am not. So if I join them, all of a sudden, they, I make life easier for them. And I don't want to become like them in word and deed. Why? Because they are people that are serving Satan himself. They are living like Satan. They, they, are, they are working like Satan. So if I become like them, then I'm becoming like that of the evil one. I can't do that. These are workers of evil looking to bait Christians. Why? Because that's what their God, Satan, does. Who disguises himself as an angel of light, but is not. People who, people who look, who act like Satan, will in, then do the same thing that Satan is doing. And that's what they see playing out here. Paul says that they're disguising. Another way you can say is masquerading, that, that, you're, that you look good on the outside, but inside is, uh, is anything but that. Jesus, Jesus says in Matthew 23 when he calls the, the Pharisees a very similar group. He looks at the Pharisees and says, you whitewashed tombs. What he means by that is that, oh, you can have a very clean tomb. Your tomb can look so pristine, but guess what? On the inside, it's death and decaying. These are people that are going to disguise themselves, seeking after what they think is good. They're going to hide behind what is good to bring about what is bad and a distraction there. So Satan, in his crafty nature, is going to use good to distract us from what God's best is for our lives. They are ministers of evil, and their end will correspond to their deeds, which is not too good. You know who was the poster child of, of this? Judas. Remember that, that story where, where Jesus has that last supper? He says, one of you will betray me. Not a single one of the disciples said, must be Judas. No one said it. No one looked right over at Judas and said, it's, it's that guy. Because Judas hidden, hid so well. Judas on the outside looked like he had it all going on. Judas looked good. But on the inside, death and decay. The angel of light can disguise himself as something good when he is not. When we think of, when we think of the evil one, we might think of pictures, pictures like this. A, a, clip art, a clip art type thing, or, or this next one, like the good angel and the bad angel on either shoulder. Uh, we, but then when we think of evil, when we think of the horns, we, we think of that. But, but Satan's a fallen angel. Nowhere in the Bible does he say his horn. Nowhere does he talk about a pointy tail. He was a beautiful angel that fell. So he's probably a pretty good-looking dude. 
He's pretty wise. He knows how to, he's probably that smoothie, smoothie salesman of sorts. He, he, he doesn't look like that. Why? That's obvious and you, we would all run from that. He's the cute girl next door. He's, he's the boy that is a Christian but has a little bit of a wild side. He's the, he's the degree that you're looking to get where, where everything, everybody's telling you to go and get a doctorate. You're made to be a doctor, but you know that as you read God's word and as you get more involved in church that God's calling you into ministry. And so he doesn't want you to go after that medical degree. He can disguise himself as something good to get you away from God's best. He disguises himself as an angel of light to distract us. Too good to be true is a tool of the enemy when used to attack true good and when used for evil. So what do we do? We seek best. We seek real. We seek genuine. Why? Because those are things of my God. My God is great. My God is best. Best is God. Best is never the fake. Monopoly money is good. But real money is great. <laughs> Fake gold can look good, but real gold is great. <laughs> she may be good, but she may not be good for you. You may be good, but you may not be good for her. God, Satan has a way of disguising himself and taking good and bringing it to evil. Jim Collins in his book, in his famous book, Good to Great, said, the enemy of great is not bad. The enemy is good. John D. Rockefeller said, don't be afraid to give up the good, to go for the great. The enemy wants you to settle. The enemy wants you to be okay with good while not striving for great. So what will you do? What will you do when you have two jobs before you? One is the job that God would want you to take. But one is the job that, that might be used to bring you, like, to now all of a sudden you get stuck in a career that, that God's never intended you to be stuck in, but you, you chose a, a good option over, over the great option. When good is not the good that God would have for you, it is anything but good. I wrestled back in the day over this when I was thinking about church planting, when I was thinking about starting Wellspring. I was in the youth ministry. I, I had, I had my, my job. It was going well. I didn't need tools or anything like that. Uh, but I was in the, everything, everything was going great. And uh, I was like, why would I ever go, why would I ever start a, jo uh, start a church uh, except for my pastor saying, hey, you need to leave, leave and go do that. And I was like, offensive, but okay. And, uh, but it was, it, was, it was two good options. I could, I could stay in youth ministry and I could, I could grow up and be a father figure to those that don't really have father figures at times or, or I could go and start a church. Two, two good options. And, and Ava and I wrestled and wrestled and wrestled over, over good options, but one was the option. One was what God wanted us to do. And so, and so because we chose to start this church, I get to know, I get to meet people like Ashley. Ashley, I'm going to invite you up here. Uh, I want to, I want to talk to you a little bit about, about your story. I've gotten to know Ashley and it really, it really hit me the other day. Ashley, come on up. <clears throat> you guys have no idea what she's going to say and yet you're clapping for her. Uh, and I kid. But seriously, and uh, <laughs> it hit me the other day. Ashley was, uh, we had a partnership meeting, and, uh, and Josh, uh, Josh Raj, your life group leader, uh, was like, howdy, partner. And uh, I just, it just hit me. I was like, How, howdy, partner. That was funny. That caught me funny. And, 
But then, but then Ashley, I looked at her, I was like, man, it's been a journey. It's been a journey with Ashley that we get to be a part of Ashley's journey. Like Wellspring is a part of your journey. Uh, and so first, how did you get to Wellspring? Yeah, so I was um, actually invited to Wellspring by my childhood best friend who knew that um, religion was something I was curious about, but nothing ever really kind of stuck with me. And she came to Wellspring when it was when we just got into this building, actually. And she was like, come. It's like, it's like a concert. Just come. It's fine. So I did, and I kind of never looked back. So the concert sold you on coming through Definitely. the doors. Okay, good. Oh, uh, <coughs> all right, so what made you want to come back? Um, you know, I think when you are, you're not really sure about Jesus, and you're not sure about churches in general, you walk through the door, and you're, you're kind of nervous. You don't know what to expect. You don't know if the people are going to accept you or be nice to you. And hmm. I came to Wellspring, and that was immediately my view of God, and everything was changed because I can see the love that everyone had for each other here was so deep. And you get that just from walking in the door. And they're so excited for you to be a new person, to come, and they just want to get to know you. And that's kind of what kept me. Cool. So you're not just sitting in a seat. You are way more involved than just filling a seat. Yeah. Uh, so in what ways are you involved? Yeah, so I volunteer on the aisle host team. And <laughs> I think there's like one of them in here. That's good. <laughs> and I also, um, I go to life group. I go to the Raj life group every Friday. That's cool. Awesome. And you're not only sitting in a seat, you're not only getting involved in ways of like serving in the, in the ministry and whatnot, but you're also praying for one. You're also inviting people out to fill the seat next to you. Yeah. How has that gone? Um, it's been really good. So I think, you know, by becoming saved, it's made me more bold and being able to invite people to church just specifically. Um, but also praying for one um, has been really successful. I mean, even my husband who um, never really was exposed to to faith or anything he now um, he now comes to church and comes to life group with me every now and then so that's great yeah that's awesome so how has <laughs> now you can clap yeah. <laughs> how has getting involved in those ways how has that impacted you personally yeah so I, you know, Wellspring always, they always say, you know, we value endless growth. And I think becoming involved has grown me so much in, as a person just in, a, you know, a little over a year. And I, the love that I feel from the people who are here, who are my life group, it's not just Sunday, it's every day. You know, my aisle host team. And, you know, I say to people that Wellspring is the home that I never knew that I needed. And I'm so glad I found it. Amen. Amen. Now you can clap. That was a good one. Ashley walks in our doors. She's invited by somebody. Hey, it's a concert. It's just like Bon Jovi. I don't know, whatever. And uh, she comes in. The angel of, of darkness, disguising himself as the angel of light, could have convinced Ashley, well, okay, fine, go through the doors, but just sit in the chair. Ashley could have spent the rest of her life just sitting in a chair sitting in a chair Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. That would have been good. But Ashley got involved. And Ashley got to the point of inviting others. Ashley has seen that impact now her own family because she didn't settle for what was good. She strove for, or strive, strove, strive. She went after what is best. <laughs> now give it up for Ashley. Thank you, guys.
you mentioned one of our values. Another, another one of our values is, uh, is simplicity. Simplicity because uh, we value simplicity, keep it simple, uh, the end. We can have a thousand ministries. We can have a thousand groups. We have a strong team that we could, we could facilitate that. But in our value of simplicity, here's what we are choosing. We're choosing not to do a thousand things good. We're choosing to do a few things in a great way. We value captivating environments. That, that a captivating environment is formed not by a quest for good. A captivating environment is formed by not settling for good. A captivating environment is formed when we strive for excellence, choosing best, choosing best. This is why we pray for one. We pray for one because we can say good is, hey, I've got 99. Who needs 100? The best would be 100. Best would say, hey, that, la- that lost lamb, that lost sheep, that lost one, they need to be here. <laughs> they need to be a part of that. The dark side would want us to be content with what we have and not strive for more. So no, we pray for one because we're striving for great, not settling for good. And so my challenge to you and I this, this day, this, this morning, is to invite your one to the party. Next week, we turn three years old. Next week is our three-year birthday. It seems like an eternity and just yesterday all at the same time. The reason I challenge you to invite your one to the party is being in the seat isn't good enough. Being in the seat that you are in right now isn't good enough. It is good. But filling the seat next to you, which is already filled, is best. So if you guys want to start coming to 9 or or 12, that's also a good option. (laughs) Seriously. Uh, (laughs) There's a parable. As I close, uh, there's there's a parable that Jesus tells about some guys that are given money. One guy is given, uh, they call it 10 talents, uh, 5 talents, or no, no, 5 Five, two, and one, whatever. They're giving some money. And, uh, and, then the, and then the person that gives them the money then goes away. And so as, as the master that has given out the money to these people has gone away, the guy with the five invests it, looks to multiply it. And so he's able to take his five, and he's able to make another five, and so now he has ten. The guy that has two does the same thing. He, he invests it. He, he looks to multiply it. And so he, at the end, he has, he has now he's doubled it, and now he has four. But the person that was given one doesn't do anything with it. He's afraid of his master, and so he buries it in the, in the ground. And so when the master comes back and looks for an account of all the money that he's given out to these three servants, the two, the two come and say, hey, we've doubled the money. And he, and he looks at them and says, well done. I was able to trust you with, with little, and now I can trust you with much. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. They chose, a, 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 they chose the best option, and it made the master happy. But the one that, the person that had the one talent, the one, the one piece of money, and who buried it, thought that he was doing a good thing. But when the master came back and said, you, you hit it, you, you could have made mo- more money, you could, you could have expanded what I, what I gave to you, you wicked servant. And it shows me that there are times when we can be striving after good, but it's not, if it's not the good that God would have me strive after, it is anything but good. 
If you're striving after good right now, but it's not what God would have you do, is God looking at it and saying, good job, good job, good job. We need to be on the same page as God and striving after what God would have us strive after and, and look at the schemes of the dark side, the schemes of the evil one who will put nice little good things in front of us that will distract us from God. And so we're going to close with the song, Build My Life. How will you build your life? Will you build your life seeking after good and nice? Or will you build your life seeking after best and what God has for you? Let's sing. Thank you for checking out a sermon recorded right here at Wellspring Church in Tom's River. If it's your first time connecting with us, we'd love to stay connected with you. So don't forget to like and subscribe to this video. And then down in the description box below, there's ways to give online. There's our social media accounts. We'd love to stay connected with you throughout the week. We love and appreciate you, and we hope you have a fantastic week.